there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one merry page of Talmud every day. That's right, Mary, because we're just a couple of days away from everyone's favorite holiday, Purim, drunkenness, baked goods, and just a hint of murder right there towards the end of the Megillah. But in today's daf, Yevamut 8, we get a note that seems like straight out of the book of Esther. Have a listen. The Gemara further asks, if this halacha is derived from a woman to her sister, I would say that even if she were divorced, her sister is permitted. Therefore, the verse states, in her lifetime, which indicates that the prohibition is in effect in all cases that are in her lifetime. This teaches that although she is divorced, her sister is not permitted. Look, you don't have to really grasp the halachic intricacies of whether or not a man is allowed to marry a woman if he used to be married to her sister, and whether or not it matters that they were divorced, or whether or not it matters that the man is widowed, to understand that here is a kind of profound question about divorce, death, relationships, and what exactly are the bonds that tie us together, which, ironically or not, is kind of a big theme in the book of Esther we're going to be reading publicly together very soon here to help us out is my dear friend, friend of the show, rabbi, doctor, Stu Halperin. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. It's such a merry experience to be back on. Now, look, you are a man of many talents. You wear many hats, including at the Strauss Center at Yeshiva University. But uh, you're here today representing the amazing book that you edited that I have the distinct pleasure and privilege of being a part of, Esther in America. So tell us, as we contemplate these questions in the Talmud today of marriage after divorce or marriage after widowhood, I seem to recall that uh, early in the book of Esther, there was a question of what happened to the first Mrs. Achashverosh, one Queen Vashti, who some say was uh, divorced and some say met a darker fate. This page of Talmud is a great opportunity to ask this timely question. Tell us, please, about Vashti. So it's so funny that you mentioned the uh, hint of murder at the end of the book of Esther. There's this hint of murder of Vashti at the beginning, or at least that's what you're taught to think. So the Sukim, the verses in the Bible, actually say that King Akashverosh requested that Vashti show up in the party he was holding for all of his officials and the people of the land. She was to show up, the Keter Malchut, wearing the crown of royalty to show everyone how beautiful she was. So the ancient Talmudic rabbis suggest that what was being asked of Vashti was to appear in the crown and nothing but the crown. And surprisingly, suggest the rabbis, she actually was going to do it. You see, in the rabbinic perspective, Vashti was a, what we call in the academic ivory tower, a no-good nick. She was not a good person. She was just as evil and wicked as Haman, as Ahasuerus. She was actually suggest the rabbis, the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, who had destroyed the first temple, and she was in the process of convincing her husband, Ahasuerus, to prevent the rebuilding of the temple, the second temple, not exactly in the uh, 
top 10 righteous Gentiles list. And so she was going to appear and was perfectly fine to appear naked before the subjects of her husband. But the rabbi suggests she, unfortunately for her, grew a tail or got leprosy. And so she ended up (laughs) telling the king she would not come. And she was promptly or conventionally told, uh, deposed of. However, the verse itself in the Bible doesn't actually say that she was killed. All it says is that she refused to come. And what happened? The king got upset and he removed her from her authority. The verse says, She was not allowed to come before him again. Her uh, position as queen was to be given to a replacement. 2,500 years, spoiler alert, that was the eventual Queen Esther taking the place of Vashti. But the verse only says that she was no longer allowed to appear before the king. It does not say she was killed. However, everyone, 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 except for like teeny tiny minority opinions, assumes that she was killed and not simply divorced by Ahasuerus. Now, what's super fascinating is that while the Jewish tradition identifies her, as we've been discussing, as a pretty bad queen, an evil queen. She has a wild roller coaster of a series of appearances in the American imagination. Well, what do I mean? So early on in America, there were thinkers already considering the legacy of Vashti. So Cotton Mather, who is the most famous religious leader of his time, a Puritan minister, accomplished scientist, son of the Harvard president, he wrote of Vashti that she represented, at least in his mind, nothing other than the Jews themselves. What did he mean? He wrote, quote, As the great king of Persia dealt with his proud queen Vashti, so dealt the king of heaven with the insolent Jews. He hath repudiated them. In other words, per Cotton Mather, Vashti represents the deposed Jews who were replaced by Christians like him. That was Cotton Mather's perspective. Uh, as my uh, colleague and friend, Rabbi Tzvi writes in his chapter in Esther in America, there was also the flip side of Vashti in the American story. Frances Harper, who was a black abolitionist, she wrote a poem in 1857 that she titled, you guessed it, Vashti, and she described a woman who would rather die than be degraded, a woman, quote, who could bend to grief but would not bow to shame. Now, another famed abolitionist, Harriet Beecher Stowe, which I'm sure many of your uh, listeners recognize the name. She also wrote of Vashti, saying, Now, if we consider the abject condition of all men in that day before the king, we shall stand amazed that there was a woman found at the head of the Persian Empire that dared to disobey the command, even of a drunken monarch. In other words, Vashti, over the ages, has become a feminist heroine, and her refusal to come before the king, not necessarily because of some green tail or some leprosy, but because of her principled stance against Ahasuerus, who tried to exhibit her in front of his subjects, she was someone to be admired. Some have even suggested in a Jewish newspaper of recent years that Vashti was, quote, the first hashtag MeToo survivor. And my friend and colleague, Dr. Erica Brown of Yeshiva University, even wrote an article in The Atlantic titled, Having an Esther Moment, noting that one could read Vashti as a tragic heroine in the story. Now, it actually doesn't end there. The story of Vashti in America is ever ongoing. Just three years ago, a book came out called The Book of V. Now, what do you think V stands for? So you're going to say Vashti, but really, it's Vivian Barr, 
who is Vivian Barr? Well, <laughs> only a reimagined ver- version of Vashti per Anna Solomon's novel. Uh, and she was a Watergate-era woman who refused her husband's demand that she perform a humiliating favor. And this novel, which got tons of press and sold many copies, suggested that the story of Vashti uh, is continuing to inspire uh, readers to this day. And hot off the presses last year is the children's book, Queen Vashi's Comfy Pants, which has the amusing description that the tale is told of Vashti, the other queen in the Purim story, who has better things to do than jump to a king's selfish demands. So as this wild and fascinating uh, tale of Vashi in America demonstrates, whether or not she was divorced from Ahasuerus, whether or not she was killed, whether or not she grew a tale, she has definitely and continues to intrigue and inspire the American imagination. Let us contemplate that as we think about the intricacies of love, death, divorce, and other forces of nature, and as we sit down this week to our Purim feast. Rabbi, Dr. Stuart Halpern, thank you so much for being our guest. A pleasure to be here, and I'm raising a glass with you in mind. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Daron Ruskay, Josh Cross, Robert Scarmuccia, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Quinn Waller. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.